0: is becoming less and less important now that doesn't mean that the church is less important than it was whenever Jesus Christ established it but it seems to be the perspective from the world and maybe even some of its members that the church has become less and less important in our society um, now the church is being looked to for far fewer things that it used to be sought for in, in the past So the importance, as as the perception, has at least appeared to have diminished a little bit. Now, many would argue that the challenge of the church is not to become extinct. I believe that the Lord has built His church; that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But I think we need to understand that we are facing a challenge in becoming irrelevant. Does that mean that we are irrelevant? No. But as perceived to be irrelevant in the world. In which we live now. Just by looking at church attendance numbers in the United States, for some of you who know know me, you know I like numbers. I like hard facts, and I like to get down to where we are to see what we're working with. Now I know that church attendance isn't the it not the end of all means, but it does illustrate some things for us. Now there are some different polls that were taking out that taken out there, but there was one um, there was one poll that was taken. It was done by the Journal for the Scientific Study of Religion in 2005. Now, the numbers that they came up with and they found is that only 17.7% of Americans attend church at least once a week. Okay, that's a pretty low number. Only 17.7% of uh, of Americans attend church at least once a week. (coughs) Now, what that does tell us is that four out of five people within our country do not hold church as... Important enough to attend at least once a week. As four out of five people who just say it's just not worth me going, for whatever reason it may be, that they that they choose not to show up. Now that's a that's a really staggering number. <coughs> Excuse me. But what I see in the church is what God has intended to be a dynamic relationship with Him that would transform our lives and the relationships. In many cases has become nothing more than a practice of religion with little or no effect on the lives of those who participate. Kind of a butt, uh, kind of a, not a a butt punch, but a gut punch, right? A gut punch there. And if it doesn't have any effect on us in in the lives that we live outside of the church building, then really what purpose are we fulfilling? I'm not speaking to individuals here. We're talking as a general, general numbers here over the over the country. You know, there was a mother once one Sunday morning. She was trying to persuade her seven-year-old child to get up and get ready to go to church, and she was trying to hurry him along. And he just didn't really want to go. He finally said, "Well, look, I don't, don't want to go because my dad doesn't go. Daddy doesn't go to church. Why do I have to go?" And so quickly she retorted, "That hey, it's like well, when your dad was your age, he went every Sunday." He looks over at his dad and says, is that true? He goes, yes, it is true. He's like, fine, I'll go. But I don't think it's going to do me any good either. <laughs> kind of a joke. <laughs> it's okay, you can laugh. But in reality, maybe this seven-year-old has identified the main reason why so few people value church anymore is that it doesn't seem to make a difference in the lives of those who participate in church. I mean, is, I mean, is the world looking at the Christians and, and outside the church walls and seeing something different? Hopefully they are. There should be some of those things, but is it not enough of a difference for them to see on, on, a, on a normal basis? So when it, if, that, if that be the case, we have to ask the question, you know, what, what has gone wrong? I believe that Jesus established his church to make an impact. As we see in the early church fathers, it did really make a tremendous impact. You know, we're still resting on the work that they established then, you know, almost 2,000 years later. So are we doing something maybe, maybe not the way that God has maybe intended? Do we need to get back and try to focus on what God has put before us? Now, how have we come to find ourselves in this condition? You know, many would say that we've drifted away from the biblical portrait of Christian faith. Many would say that we have redefined the Christian faith by feelings and experiences as opposed to the unchanging Word of God. We have changed the source and the substance upon which we stand, and we have traded the unchanging Word of God, and we have based our faith on how we feel and entertainment. So the unchanging Word of God should be that basis for the christian faith and if it is true and we have and we have drifted away from that and established a foundation that is shaky that is not the word of god then we must get back to god's word and refocus on what the scriptures teach us about the purpose of his church now before we get into ephesians chapter four there's some specific things that paul actually lines out two that i'm going to address in chapter three In chapter 3 and verse 10, Paul specifically says that it is up to the church to make known the wisdom of God. We are to make God known. Our objective here is to know God and to make Him known. And then as we go a little bit further, in a very familiar verse in chapter 3 and verse 21, we are to bring God glory in the church. In a nutshell, that's what our purpose is. is to make God known and bring Him glory. That is our purpose as God's people here on this earth. And in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul goes on to tell us how we are to carry these objectives out, and he's explained it in this one in one phrase. In in chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Therefore the prisoner of the Lord, therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. He says we are to walk worthy of the call. Now, the call is to make God known and to bring God glory in the church. We are called to be the salt and the light in this world. We are called to be the representatives of Jesus as his ambassadors in this world. We have been given a high calling with a great commission. We have a great purpose from our Creator, our Savior, and our Redeemer to evangelize the world around us. We have a great call. Now what Paul is saying here is that we are to not only accept that call, but we need to walk worthy of this call. So that's where we're going to be going this morning, is how do, what does it look like to walk worthy of this call that God has put on his children here, and he's left us with this work to do. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, I strongly encourage you to walk in a manner that is worthy of the call. It continues in chapter 4 to describe this lifestyle as it is practiced within the church. Now the first thing I want us to, to see here is that we walk worthy of our calling when we maintain the unity in the Spirit. Okay? We walk worthy of our calling when we maintain the unity of the spirit starting in verse two he says that we're to walk worthy of the calling in verse two he says with the lowliness and gentleness and long-suffering bearing with one another in love verse three endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace now paul is encouraging us to endeavor to keep the unity. Now, notice what Paul doesn't say here. Paul is not telling us that it is our responsibility to produce a unity. He doesn't say the word to come up with things upon which we can be unified. People have been unified on wicked things all throughout history. Nazi Germany, guess what? They were unified. So we're not we're not called, we're not called to produce unity within the body based on opinions or preferences or desires that we may have. Paul is not calling us to produce something to be unified on, but he is telling us that we are to maintain the unity in the Spirit. That is the basis for our unity, is we come together as one in the Spirit. This is what we are to maintain unity in. Now that's, that's, that is something that we have as believers of Jesus Christ. We need to maintain it. That is, the, that is foundational here. Now I know that that dealing with people and, and, and in churches that sometimes God's people disagree. Y'all, y'all figure that one. Is that true? Often that happens, right? And if, and if God's people disagree on something that's a little bit more substantial than, than wall color and, and the color of carpet, something a little bit more substantial, we are called to maintain unity. But how do we maintain Unity. You have one group that may say, well, this is where the Holy Spirit's leading me. The other group is saying, well, I feel that the Holy Spirit's leading me this way. The truth about it is that somebody is wrong, right? Because God God leads in one direction, right? And, And the leading of the Holy Spirit will always be able to be confirmed by what? The unchanging standard of God's Word. So whenever there may be a difference of an issue, where should God's people go to be unified? We go to God's Word, right? Now there was somebody who preached a sermon on this about a a year ago, right? When we renew our minds, we renew our minds with the truth of God's Word and it brings about a heart transformation and upon that transformation we become to be the likeness of Christ and if we're all becoming in the likeness of Christ then it's a byproduct that we're unified on the truth of His Word. We're called to maintain this type of unity, but what often happens is the side that may be exposed to be wrong fails to humble themselves to God's word and the leadership of the Holy Spirit and be unified. And sometimes you see churches split. Does that happen here? Not specifically here. I'm just saying in this area. I mean that's why that's why in almost every small town I've been in, there's a church on every street corner because they fail to maintain unity. Now if we continue to read here, it says there is one body, one spirit, verse four, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. There's really no excuse for God's people to not be unified, no excuse. We have the leadership of the Holy Spirit that empowers us as well as God's Word that will direct and lead us. If we're drawing from the same source, we should all be going in the same direction. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we are called to maintain that, um, we are called to maintain that unity. And we're, not, we're, not trying, we're not trying to raise up people to get to come on our sides, but we, but we surrender and submit to the truth of God's Word, and we're unified based on it as our foundation, Okay. So we are called to maintain. So we walk worthy of our calling, one, whenever we maintain the unity of the Spirit. Secondly, we walk worthy of our calling when we... Well, I don't want to give this away yet. I'll tell you in a second. I've got to build up to it. So God has... Um, God has given us certain gifts within the church. He's established certain places and positions. As we see in verse 7, it says, But to each of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. He gave gifts to men. Now, jump down to verse 11. It says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. Now, he has given these gifts, and these gifts to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. But anything that God does, he has a purpose. Just like establishing a church, he had a purpose, and that was to evangelize the world. And he's also given within his church these gifts to these men for particular positions. So what is that purpose well if you read the next verse what's it say for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry for the specifically for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of christ so these are in place for that reason he he's established this so we walk worthy of our calling when we equip the saints Okay, that's your second point, when we equip the saints. We walk worthy of this calling when we equip the saints. So he's established these gifts and given these gifts to men for the purpose of working in his church to equip the saints for a particular thing, which is the ministry of the gospel. Now Now what we do here, this is not a place of entertainment, which it has often become. It's not a place of entertainment where you can come and get fulfilled with warm and fuzzies. Now that does not mean that church cannot be fun and exciting. It should be as God's people come together as one and we worship God and glorify Him. It should bring joy to our hearts as we seek God's face in worship. But this is not a place of entertainment. Whenever we come and 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 the and the praise band gets together and we and we sing together, and we sing music it's not for the sake of entertainment, but it is for the sake of bringing glory and honor to God our Father we just happen to be really good at, it. but it's for the sake of of glorifying and honoring God, so what we have to understand here is if if God has established these these um the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the sake of equipping the saints for ministry, then truly this is not a place of entertainment, but this is a training facility. This is a place where we train and equip one another for what? The ministry. This should be a place where we come and we encourage one another and train one another for the sake of the ministry, for the preaching of the gospel whenever we come to church it shouldn't be an idea of let's see what I can get out of it but let's see how I can better myself to be a better follower of Christ whenever I leave how can I truly meet with Jesus and how can he truly instruct me by the truth of his word and that I may be a more effective witness for him out in the world we are here to train one another for the equipping of the saints for the sake of the ministry and that's how, we have Sunday, or that's how we have Wednesday evenings especially planned out. I mean, that is a training time. I've, I've set, set up you know, specific teachers and particular curriculums that I find that are needed for you in today's time, in the culture in which we live today, for you to be a more effective follower of Jesus and a proclaimer of the gospel. That is why I have certain things set in place for those things. But I will be honest with you, if... <coughs> If your expectation is to come and to be entertained and yet you're offered training, it is quite possible that you may leave kind of underwhelmed or maybe even disappointed. So that's why we often need to kind of change our perspective of why am I here? Why am I attending? What is the, what is the point and the purpose in gathering together for whatever this, for, for, this, for this evening or for this morning? Well, the purpose that Jesus has given the gifts of these apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers is for the sake of equipping the saints for the ministry. It's to make you a better follower and a more effective follower, a more educated follower of Jesus Christ so you can better fulfill the purpose for which God has left you here to fulfill. As I said earlier, don't misunderstand me, church. I'm not saying the church is never fun, it's ne- I'm not saying it's never enjoyable, it should be. But the reality is, is that we have been called to go to war and we must be prepared to get out into the battlefield. That's just the reality of it. We need to be ready, we need to be prepared. Now why do we need to be prepared? Well, let me ask you this before we, before we get into the reason why we need to be prepared. Is there ever a point where we can become fully trained? Well, there's a standard that's actually given if we just continue reading. Would y'all like to see the standard? All right, let's continue reading here. Start in verse 12. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. There's your graduation credentials. <laughs> All right? But we are called to come together for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body, until we meet the stature of Christ. All right? We've got a little ways to go, right? But however, that, is, that, that shows that it is necessary for us to continue in equipping ourselves for the ministry. So what we need, so what we are doing here, it does need to have a purpose. You know, I don't believe that we should just meet just for the sake of meeting, okay? We don't do, we don't meet just for the sake of checking it off and saying, hey, we've, we've met together, but I want us to have a purpose, and I want us to be unified in understanding what that purpose is, so we can all move forward together with an understanding of where we are going. And the purpose of what we do, especially on Wednesday nights, and, is to equip the saints for the ministry, and I am proud of our young people, they have gone through a very tough study in the Truth Project, okay? It is grueling oftentimes. It's deep theologically, but but they have been engaged in the discussions afterwards as we've started clarifying some things that that they may have had questions to go through. But however, though it may not be great entertainment, it is a necessity for them to have a grounding foundation with a biblical worldview to stand strong in the culture in which they live today. Though it may not be the funnest thing, young people, but it's necessary. And I'd rather give you something that's necessary than that's gonna entertain you. Does that make sense? So I do appreciate the attention that you are giving. And I'm thankful that you guys are showing up. But that is the reason why we are doing it. Now, we'll lighten up a little bit in the next couple of weeks, but we've still got three weeks to go, all right? I'm still gonna give you what you need. I mean, I want, I want to train Followers of Jesus Christ who will faithfully, fearlessly preach the gospel regardless of the situation in which they might find themselves. And that is the purpose that God has given you a pastor to do that, is to see that you get the training. But as we saw earlier, you know, only 17.7% of Americans actually attend. But to get that training, it does require attendance have to show up to where that training is actually going to happen. And we need to take we need to take an understanding that this is why we are here. I, I need to be more effective in the witness for Christ and we'll go where the training is taking place and is happening here at the church. So we're fully trained when we, when we meet the stature of Christ. Okay, so there's your graduation credentials there in verse thirteen. But why is it so important for our young people to be to be edified or for them to be equipped for the ministry. This this goes all across age groups. Okay, there is no age, there is no age limit to where you start equipping. We need to be equipping the saints for the ministry at a very young age, their entire lives. But what we see here in verse 14, the reason why that we need to do that and to have them trained and well trained for the ministry is that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of man and the cunning craftiness of deceitful, of deceitful plotting. But that is exactly what is happening to our younger generations. It's exactly what's happening. They're going off into the world, they're taking up the philosophies of men because it makes more sense to them than what they have learned in the past about God's word. And they're, and they're being taken away, they're being taken captive by these deceitful plottings, these cunning craftiness that the devil throws at them. And they can and they will be taken away. So that's why it's very important for us to equip the saints for the ministry. So when they are being lied to, they know the truth of God's word and they can expose that lie and, and, and flee from it. And they can preach the word as well. You know, whenever we find ourselves you know, with children, Who have been in church attendance you know from ever since they were a child and they're 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 years old and they're not equipped for the ministry. What what do we call that? It's really a failure isn't it? We find we have people who are 20, 25, 30, 40, 50 and they don't feel like they're equipped for the ministry. What do we have there? It's another failure. We have, we have a priority. God's purpose for these people is to have saints equipped for the ministry and that they can be strong enough, they can stand firm enough that we're not, less, we're, we're not children who are being tossed to and fro with any wind of doctrine and being taken over by the lies of the devil in this world. And we have a purpose to fulfill. We need to be properly trained to do so. And that is why There's one reason why we gather together, is this is a training ground. This training is defensive, as we see here in in, in verse 14. It's defensive in that we can defend off the lies that are coming towards us, but it is also offensive. In verse 15, it says, But speaking the truth in love, you may grow up in all things into him who is the head of Christ. So not only does it have a defensive um, property to it, but it's also offensive. Offensive. No, we go on the offense with the truth of the gospel, with the truth of God's word. And we speak that truth in love, which is my third point. We walk worthy of our calling when we speak the truth. When we speak the truth. And to be honest, for you to possess the truth and not to speak it, it does no good at all, right? So we have to be active in this. We need to know the truth, one, to be defensive, in that we won't be overtaken by the lies of the devil but we also need to be offensive in order to gain the ground that we need to take but to speak the truth is whenever we actively put into practice that which we have trained to do Okay, training is really really great is is good is good to be very well trained is it's good to have the mental knowledge but unless we put it into practice it is no good at all we have to make sure that we are being active in what God has called us to do. That is the purpose for which we are trained is for the work of the ministry and we need to be fulfilling that which God has called us. Now, now looking at this and kind of weighing this over in in all of this, you know, whenever we are supposed to actively engage in the culture around us and speaking the truth and love, a failure to this is likely the outcome when those whom God has appointed to equip the church neglects their duties. If that happens, shame on me. But when those who have been trained is also a failure, when those who have been trained choose not to practice what they have been trained to perform, either way will cause failure. Either we're really well trained and we don't practice in the world, or we're not really trained very well for the work of the ministry, therefore we don't do it or we're doing a really bad job. So it is it is very important for us to not to be trained but we are also to take that training and put it into practice. To take the knowledge and the information that we gain in our Sunday school classes and our Wednesday night classes and in our in our times in our home in our home Bible studies on a day-to-day basis to take that knowledge and information and pray that God will help you to apply that to your lives and to be a better stronger witness for the, for his kingdom. Because I said, you can possess all these things, but unless they're put to practice, they're of no use to you at all. Now we see here, there was a baby camel, just for the sake of the story, he talks, okay? We have a young camel, and he's with his mother. And this camel, this young camel comes up to his mother and says, Mom, why do we have these huge three-toed feet? He said, well, son... That's so whenever we're walking across the desert that we don't sink in the sand. It keeps you up on top of the sand. I said, okay. He goes, mom? I said, yes, son. Why do we have these really long eyelashes? He goes, well, son, whenever we trek across the desert, it keeps the sand from getting in our eyes. It kind of filters the, the wind as it's passing by and keeps things from getting in your eye. That's why you have those. He goes, okay. So just a few minutes went by and he said mom the mama camel looked down at, at her son a little bit impatient at this point y'all know how it is why do we have these big humps on our back say well son that's where you can store water for whenever you tr- trek across the desert you can go for a long period of time without having to drink water it helps you stay hydrated it's like okay so he sat there for a minute and then and he said you know that's great mom we have huge feet that keep us from stepping from sinking in the sand while we're in the desert and we have these long eyelashes that keep the sand out of our eyes whenever we go across the desert and also we have this huge hump on our back to store water for our long trips across the desert he goes but mom i have a question she's like yes son why are we in a zoo See, too many of God's people are like camels in a zoo, extremely well-equipped and prepared for a trip across the desert, but yet stuck in a zoo. We have the ability, we have the resources to fulfill what God has called us to do and to fulfill the purpose to which he has called, but we too often play it safe and we fail to position ourselves in ministry. Where we can serve we fail to get the proper training and to fulfill what god has called us to do actively in in the community that we live now god has given us the spirit that unifies us he's given us a spirit that empowers us but yet we bottle it up and we keep it here at church only i don't believe that that's the purpose that god has called us to do i believe that god has called us to be an active very visible people within the world a fearless people who will preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, who will speak the truth in love. Now, if I was to ask a question, what would you like to see happen here at First Baptist Church? If I was to simply pose that question, I'm sure I would get several different answers, but I would imagine that we could all just kind of pile them up and say, well, we would like to see church growth. We would re- we'd really like to see numbers grow, not just for the sake of numbers and filling out an attendance sheet that we can send into the convention. It's not the purpose but if we see numbers growing within our people, then that means that God's people are actually going out and doing what we're called to do. We're preaching the gospel, and the gospel is reaching hearts, and hearts are being transformed, and they're coming and getting plugged in to, to a local church and then getting equipped for the saints, getting equipped for the ministry, and going out and doing the same thing. We would like to see growth. But in verse 16 is where we'll finish off. The question, do you want to see growth? Let's go ahead and take a running start verse 15. It says, "But But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joins and knit together by what every joint supplies. Now listen very carefully. According to the effective working by which every part does its share causes what? Causes growth. Causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Do we want church growth? I think God has laid out a very simple plan. He's given us a great calling to make him known, to bring him honor and glory in the church, and we need to walk worthy of that calling by, by keeping the unity in the Spirit, not only by keeping the unity of the spirit, but also preparing ourselves and getting the proper training that we need for the ministry and then taking that training and getting out there and doing it. I believe if we follow God's plan that we can see church growth. If he chooses to add to his church, great. If he chooses not to, I think we are still called to do this. Would you agree? Let's stand let's have a time of invitation this morning. If the Lord has spoken to your heart, about what He's revealed to you in His Word today, I would ask that you would join me in prayer, that where we may be weak, that we surrender that part of our lives to Christ and we follow through with His plan in order to fulfill His purpose within the body of Christ. Father, we thank You for this day. We thank You for Your Word. We thank You for your, the church that You have established and the work that You have given us, Father. Father, may we see to it that we take a high priority in what you've called us to do. Help us, Father, to seek your face, to seek your unchanging word. Follow the leadership of the Spirit. Father, I pray that there's someone here today that needs to give their life to you. Father, I pray that that's, that's done. But Father, if there are hearts who have been exposed to your truth today and they need to make a correction and repent of their sin and to follow along with your purpose, Father, I pray that that'll be done so this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.